Cable news, noisy, boring, out of touch. That's why Salem News Channel is different. We keep you in the know. Streaming 24-7 for free. Home to the greatest collection of conservative voices like Dennis Prager, Jay Sekulow, Mike Gallagher, and more. Salem News Channel is unfiltered and unapologetic. Watch anytime, on any screen, at snc.tv and local now, channel 525. Welcome to Conversations with Cynthia. Cynthia Hyatt is a relationship expert, executive consultant, and life management coach. Cynthia Hyatt uses her 30 years of experience as a licensed psychotherapist to now offer in-office or concierge services through executive life coaching, consulting, and image management in order to help you be your own best version. Cynthia also specializes in speaking to groups worldwide about how to be successful in relationships, as well as artfully handling life's challenges. She has had many opportunities to present numerous educational seminars and lectures on a variety of motivational, inspirational, and mental health topics around the world. Please take a moment to visit her website at CynthiaHyatt.com. That's Cynthia, H-I-E-T-T dot com. Her Facebook page at Cynthia Hyatt Incorporated for current events, updates, and inspiration during your week, as well as all social media platforms. You can hear this show as a podcast on iTunes and many other podcast services. Follow her on Facebook and Instagram. Now, with today's fresh insight, here's Cynthia Hyatt. Well, good afternoon. I'm Cynthia Hyatt, your host, and you are listening to Conversations with Cynthia. So thank you always uh, for joining me today. And if you're a first-time listener, welcome to the show. Make sure that you check out my website at CynthiaHyatt.com and all the social media venues that we are on. And you'll find me on probably most of them. I have some great assistants that are very talented with social media. So I am very blessed to have such great help. And we are talking today more again about relationship. And one of the reasons that I like to really focus on relationship is because that's really the most important thing to human beings. And the better our relationships, the better our lives, and the better our health And we are certainly then enjoying our life more, and we make better choices. And so the more that we can secure our relationships, the more we understand ourselves and are better able to understand and accept others, we are going to feel so much better about our life. And when the buffeting and the pushing and the crushing events occur, we will absolutely manage better and heal faster. So this is important that we talk about this whole idea of relationship. And so we started three weeks ago, this is now our fourth week with this, about Relationship 101. And so we started that first one with a lot of concepts that I'm going to review with you again today. And that is acceptance, the key to all my problems. And I'm sure you've heard that saying before, but you may not have really thought about it. See, acceptance does not necessarily mean agreement, but acceptance helps me live at peace. 
because it's acceptance helps me to know where to put my energy. So if something is unacceptable to me and I can change it, then I will put energy toward it. If something is unacceptable to me and there's nothing I can do about it, it's a waste of energy. It's a waste of time. And I'll feel worse for the effort. So we want to think about this idea of what am I willing to accept and what am I willing to just simply understand? Or even if I don't understand it, am I willing to live through it and continue in relationship with someone that is doing things that to me are unacceptable? And so that makes it tough because this is where we get to the next concept of I can love people I don't like. And this is all part of acceptance. See, when I accept someone for who they are, that doesn't mean I agree. It doesn't mean I want to emulate them. It doesn't maybe mean I even want to have really close relationship with them. But remember, relationships are on a continuum from just social or the person on the street that I am polite to and maybe open the door for them at the grocery store to all the way to my most intimate relationship. So it's a continuum. So when I understand that I am accepting things I can't change, not necessarily thinking that I'm agreeing with them, I'm not giving tacit permission, I'm just accepting the fact that there's nothing I can do about it. So I'm going to move on with my life, with that relationship, whatever that may be. So I don't necessarily need to agree with things that I don't accept. And I can love people that I don't like. And this is really important when it comes to managing the, the contradictions that we experience in relationships. And so when I say to myself, I can love people I don't like, that means I can help a stranger. That means that if I go to a family event, I can be polite to people that maybe I have a lot of hurt and unforgiveness with. I don't approve of them, maybe. Maybe they've been really mean to me. So I can love those people and act loving toward them, which means I respect their humanity. doesn't necessarily mean that we're going to be best friends. So this leads us to this idea that when we get around people that are uncomfortable, that maybe have hurt us, that we don't share the same value system with, and so we, we have a tendency to want to judge them, I want you to remind yourself that feelings are very real, but not always true. And so whatever feeling I'm having with someone or about someone really deserves the test of time. See, I don't know about you, but I have met people that initially I was like, yeah, this is not my kind of person. Or maybe I even fell into judgment and judged them some. You know, maybe I made a snap decision, a snap, you know, judgment of them and thought, you know, this is not my kind of person. And so I didn't like how I felt around them. And then I don't know if you've experienced this, but I started spending more time with them and I actually started to like them. I started to understand them better. I started to hear their story. And so we want to be very careful that we don't believe everything that we feel, that feelings are experiential. Truth is factual. And so we don't want to be confusing truth and facts. So my feelings are very real and I'm going to honor them and I expect you to honor them as well. But they may not be true. 
and time always tells me. So here's the other thing that is super important, especially when you are interacting with people that you may not always click with. I don't want you to let the alarm go off and have you end up doing things that you're going to have to regret or apologize for because of how you felt. So we can always stay very calm, even in our current world, even in our current situation in our country. We still get up, we go to work, we drive a car, we expect people to obey the, the, the traffic rules. We go to the grocery store, we don't expect people to cut in front of us or push our grocery cart over. We really still have a world that is functioning. I'm not saying it's high functioning, but it is functioning. And a lot of that has to do with the fact that we are all committed to a certain type of edict. So when you recognize that the only things I really have to get big about that are going to actually stop the moment I'm in, that I will have to make a decision immediately on, is if someone is bleeding, if there's blood, if somebody broke a bone, if someone's not breathing, or if there's fire. Otherwise, I remind myself I have time. I always have time. It may be uncomfortable to wait, but the healthier people are able to wait and let time help them with decision-making. So we want to check things out before we assume that they're true. People can be very convincing. I mean, I listen to people all day, and I listen to their story and how they feel and what their assumptions are, and it is, can be very, very convincing. But what happens maybe the following week when I meet their spouse? And I hear a completely different version. And I go, huh. So I'm hearing more experience than I am facts. That doesn't mean I discount the experience. The experience is very important. That's part of what makes life worth living. But I want to make sure that when I'm listening to somebody, no matter how compelling it sounds, I want to make sure that I let time tell me the truth. And so let's work on this idea of forgiveness and judgment as well. And forgiveness means that I forgive what they have done in order to also set me free. Forgiveness does not always mean intimacy. So I can forgive businesses so that I'm free, so that I let that be in God's hands. I can forgive a driver that I don't even know so that I don't end up being a bad driver because of the way that I was treated on the road. I can forgive all kinds of things that don't necessarily mean I agree with it now or that I have minimized it or that I'm going to be in relationship. But our closest relationships require some education. We need the person to help us understand why they did what they did if we are going to be able to forgive with intimacy and restoring intimacy. So it helps me to understand the backstory. I don't ever let the backstory be an excuse because there's no excuses for bad behavior. There are explanations, though. And explanations can be very, very helpful. And explanations and being willing to forgive helps us not to fall into judgment. Because who are we? Who, who of us is perfect enough to judge 
someone else's circumstances. Now, I may judge it in terms of whether or not I want to have intimacy with this person. I may judge the actions that I see, the way they do their life, what their value system is, as to be able to determine whether or not we're even going to be able to be close. But if I judge someone as if I'm better than they are, that's dangerous territory for all of us to be in. So we want to be careful that we judge the behavior, but not the person. See, people change all the time. That's the beauty of my job. People change every day. They become better people. They become people that they actually enjoy. They make better decisions because of it. So I might judge their behavior as to whether or not it's going to work. And I say to them, you know, you can continue to relate that way. You can continue to think that way. You can continue to act that way. But you're paying me because you want a a better life. So I'm telling you that the things you are doing, I, I can judge what you are doing, is not going to give you the outcome that you're desiring. So that's different than me judging them as a person that is in a one-down position to me. So thank you for joining me in this segment. Join me in the next segment as we talk more about Relationships 101 and really being able to have the relationships that are fulfilling to you and life-giving. Welcome back. You're listening to Conversations with Cynthia, and I'm your host, Cynthia Hyatt. Make sure that you check out your favorite podcast server. We have all the shows that go back a decade, I believe, at this point in my life that I've been doing this for almost 10 years. So we have lots and lots of shows that you can listen to. We also have study guides that go with the shows. And so if you want to do it as a group, if you want to do it as your own study, it really prompts you to listen to the show and it helps you engage more in what you're hearing. Because, you know, it's radio, what I'm doing here and teaching is kind of like a lecture in some ways. So it's tough sometimes to get what you want out of it. So please take advantage of the study guides. And we also are really excited I am extremely excited to let you know that there's a new book that's coming out called Authentic, and it is now going to be an international bestseller, and I was allowed and and asked to contribute a chapter in it. So you can find it on Instagram. You can find it anywhere in social media, and it is called Authentic, and it is from all kinds of different authors all over the world have contributed to this book. It's 99 cents. You can download it. It's Kindle, 99 cents. So I think you'll really enjoy it. So I wanted to just make sure you knew that that was out and that you can download that book. And thank you for your participation and just being a part of that. So we are back to Relationship 101. And what we are wanting to talk about in this segment is the idea of dependency. Because any therapist wants to talk to you about dependency and how dependent you may be on a person, a place, a thing. And we all have dependencies and there's nothing wrong with being dependent. I depend on the fact that other drivers are going to, you know, drive correctly. I depend on the fact that every time I turn the water faucet on, water is going to come out. I depend on the fact that people aren't going to steal my car. See, we depend on a lot of things, but when it comes to relationships, what we'll find is that if our dependency isn't healthy, 
it causes a lot of trouble in the relationship. So we have four types of dependencies that we look at with humans. And we experience these as we develop identity. And we all have different phases of dependency, which is how much we depend on others for help. And so this goes from when we are barely you know, out of the womb. We require 110% dependency. We are depending on the world for everything. To the end of our life, that we may be dependent again as we are reaching the time that we may be passing. We may be very dependent physically because of an accident we, we, we incurred. We may be dependent physically because we haven't taken care of our health. We may be depending on professionals for appropriate information, like what to do with our car, should we sell our house, what schools to send our kids to. So we have a ten- we, we look toward other people and depend on their experience, and we want to trust their experience. So when you think about dependence, this is the idea that we need and we want help. So there's nothing wrong with being dependent unless you're able to do it for yourself and you just don't want to. Unless you're using it as a way to incur things that you may not have, have experienced in childhood. So you're, you're making somebody be the person that's making your life work. You're depending on their approval or you're depending on their resources. You're depending on their attention. And this is where we want to think about dependency is not good or bad. It has everything to do with time. It has everything to do with intention. So what is my dependency truly about? Am I depending on someone because I'm lazy? I don't want to do it myself. Am I depending on someone or something because I'm afraid? So maybe I'm depending on someone to give me some courage. And there's nothing wrong with that. But if we can't gain courage on our own through the experience of doing something that was scary, then we will continually be dependent on people to offer us courage. And that will cause us to be even more afraid. See, the more dependent I am as an adult, the more afraid I become because it's a very vulnerable feeling to be dependent. So as we are developing identity, we experience these different phases, and dependency is the first one that humans experience. So the second one, this becomes a dysfunctional issue. As we move from dependence, we might go lateral and become counter-dependent. And what this one means is that I need help, but I'm resisting it. And we see this many times with older people. You know, we see it also with teenagers many times. Or what about toddlers that say, no, I want to do it myself. And so counterdependence on the outset is not necessarily that, that dysfunctional. But if my counterdependence is putting other people's lives in jeopardy, or creating a lot of strain and a lot of hardship and sadness for them, then we know that counterdependency is not helpful. And see, the counterdependent person, it's a great example, is this person that struggles with an addiction. So they know they need help. 
They don't want to do it. They want to think they can make the addiction continue to work. So instead of depending on higher power or on, on God, on faith, on um, a therapist, a coach, instead of doing that, they are saying, I want the people in my life that can't give it to me to give it to me. And if they don't give it to me, then I won't make it. And so counterdependence says... Also, I'm too afraid to tell or show someone that I need something, so I'm going to depend on this thing and hope nobody sees it because I don't want to do the hard work of honesty. And so we see a lot of that when we have, when we have kids, high schoolers possibly, that know how to drive but don't want to overcome their fear of driving their, themselves. And so they keep saying, but mom, you know, you can drive me and I like being with you. So how about if you just drive me and drop me off at school? Instead of the mom saying, you know, you're a senior in high school. I need you to know how to drive a car and I need you to be confident in driving a car. So let's let's think about this idea of dependence that sometimes moves laterally to counterdependence. And that's depending on the wrong things for the wrong reasons at the wrong time in your life. And so counterdependence can feel good. It just never works. In fact, it weakens us. So we're coming up to the close of this particular segment. This is the first half hour. If you're just tuning in, we have a half hour more to go. And we're going to start in the next segment talking about these issues of identity because identity has so much to do with dependence. And how do I depend? Do I allow others to depend on me? How do I know when my dependency is unhealthy? And so we're going to talk about independency. What does independency look like truly? And how do we do independency well and continue to have intimacy so that we're not just, you know, a person on our own island, right? That we actually have independency, but we are able to depend on others as well. And that's a really important concept when it comes to healthy relationships. Do I let myself depend on people to make my life easier? Do I let others depend on me as I'm helping make their life easier? Two are better than one for their labor, right? This is Cynthia Hyatt with Conversations with Cynthia. Join me in the next segment as we talk more about developing identity and dependencies. Well, welcome back. You're listening to Conversations with Cynthia, and I'm Cynthia Hyatt, your host. Thank you so much for joining me today. And if you are just tuning in, please check out all the social media that we have. I have some great assistants that are so creative and so good at it. So I really want you to take advantage of that during the week. And also, really telling your friends about the show. I really appreciate that you do that. And we have study guides that you can also download if you want to do listen to the show with a group of people, if you want to listen to it to yourself just to get you to be thinking about the show and maybe integrating some of those concepts. And so I also want to tell you of a new development that I'm really excited about. And it has launched last Friday, just a couple you know days ago here. And this book is called Authentic, and it is a compilation of a lot of authors all over the world that have contributed a chapter. 
And so the book is now, it's available Kindle. It's 99 cents. You can buy it, download it. You can also go to any of the the, um, podcast places as well as social media that will show you more and more how you can access this book. And so I was able to do the um, one of the chapters from a book of mine called Can Fairy Tales Be Real? And so it's very fun, very exciting, and we really want it to have the impact that we intended for it to have, and that is just to truly inspire people and, and cause them to see their life as very valuable and very worthwhile, that everyone's story is different. So make sure you check that out. Appreciate all your support. And let's get back to this idea about dependencies. And we are talking about, obviously, relationships again today. This is Relationship 101, Part 4. And we are working on what dependencies mean. Because many times dependency gets a bad rap. And we think that it's a bad thing. Whereas I'm sitting here in in the radio station, and I depend on my producer, Jeremy. He's been with me for years. He does this great job. I depend on him. I can't do that myself, nor I think do I even want to learn. So I'm so grateful for his talent, and I depend on him. He's here every time. He shows up. He produces them well. He guides me through it. He just, in the last segment, told me, now remember, we're on the third segment, okay? So (laughs) it's extremely helpful. Now, that doesn't mean that I couldn't, like, lessen some of my workload and learn how to be a radio producer. I could probably learn it, but he's talented at it. And so I depend on that. And that's a good thing. So this is where when we think about dependencies and how you are interacting in a dependent, a counterdependent, right? An independent way or an interdependent. And so this is very important when you think about having healthy relationships, that there is a level of dependency. I'm depending on this person to continue to be who they're purporting to be. That's that's part of the foundation of our relationship. And so that doesn't mean I'm depending on my spouse, my partner, my best friend, whoever that may be, to make my life work. I'm not depending on that. Now, what happens if I get injured? I may need to depend on them, and that's a healthy dependency. Counter-dependency is what we left off in that last segment, is the fact that I know that I need help, but I'm either arrogant, stubborn, embarrassed, ashamed, that I need the help, so I'm going to resist it, which means that it gets worse, right? So we all struggle with letting people help us sometimes. It's embarrassing, or it's just, I don't know, it's just uncomfortable. But if we get into counterdependency, this is what happens when we have someone that has an injury. They don't want to tell people how bad their pain is, and they end up being addicted to pain painkillers because they didn't want to tell people what they needed. So this is why it's super important to understand counterdependency never works. The three majors are dependence, independence, and interdependence. And the independence is what we do with adolescents. We launch them into college, into life, into a new job, into moving out, maybe getting married. And our little kiddos that are in elementary school, we launch them in many ways. We help them to be more independent. They can go to the bathroom on their own, right? Well, not all of them. (laughs) But they can find their way home. They can use a telephone. 
they can maybe make themselves a sandwich. And so as they grow up, we are giving them bigger tasks to help them eventually be actually independent of us, that their lives are working because we set them up to be able to make a life work if they so choose to do one. So this is important as we are looking at this, that the last dependency is interdependency. And this is one of the best of all the dependencies. Because interdependency is, I can do it. I know I need help. I can do it for myself. But I've got someone to help me. And it makes life so much easier. So join me in the last segment as we talk more about Relationships 101 and Dependencies. Well, good afternoon. Thank you for joining me. You are listening to Conversations with Cynthia, and I am Cynthia Hyatt, your host. And again, I like to remind you all to make sure you check out the social media that we have available for you, the website, um, all the podcast servers, and you can listen to shows that go back 10 years. And so I really am excited about this new thing that that I have going on, and that is that I have been asked to contribute a, a, a Um, a chapter in a new book that has come out and it is launched last Friday and it is on Kindle. It's 99 cents and it is an international bestseller at this point, which is so exciting because it's got so many contributing authors and we have all contributed to this book called Authentic and it's about our, our authentic life. And so I think you will like it. I think it will be uplifting. I think you will be able to relate to it. And I really appreciate you checking it out and downloading it. So let's go back to our show today, which is about Relationships 101. And if you're just tuning in, this is our fourth one. This is number four. And we are talking about dependency. And what dependency really means and when we find that dependency is unhealthy or unwillingness to be dependent, it can be very unhealthy as well. So we talked about dependence, and that is the, that we know we need help. Um, we know that with little infants. They need help, and so they will not survive if they are not dependent on a very healthy caregiver. Well, as that little kiddo begins to grow, they begin to say, no, right? I want to do it myself. This is, this is awesome. We want them to do that. Now, we do have to do that with some wisdom so that they don't hurt themselves. And this is part of understanding that they start dependent, that we move toward independence. That's the goal. The goal is that we move toward independence. And as you see children grow, we find that they need us less and less. The hope is that as they need us less and less, they may want us more and more, right? That's what we're working toward. So we don't want to keep kids needing us because we want them to want us more. We want to help them launch. And so the independency phase is very important. If we're not careful, we might have people in our lives or ourselves resort to what we call counterdependency. Counterdependency means that I'm using something to bolster me up or to help me. I'm depending on something 
that is actually making me weaker. So we see this with addictions all the time, right? Someone's dependent on that, or they're dependent on their appearance. If I don't look good, I'm not going out of the house. And so they're dependent on what other people think about them or feel about them. So they will maybe even go against their own value system to be liked. So counterdependency means that I am letting go of or rejecting who I truly am in order to try to get a need met. Or it, causes, it may be caused because I'm feeling like I'm in survival. And so survival is never pretty. We've talked about that. Many times I will do all kinds of things and depend on things that are counterproductive to my health, but I don't know how to live any other way. So we want people to stay out of the counterdependence and appropriately learn independence. And then the last type of dependency, which is a gift, is interdependency. And that means that I can do something, but it's so much easier when someone helps me. It makes it faster. Maybe it even makes it stronger. And I enjoy the chore much more. So we want to work toward interdependency, which means that I give help to others and I get help from others. And like I said in the very end of that last segment, we know that two are better than one for their labor. So I want you to be able to distinguish between the independency, which means if I do it inappropriately, I'm needless, wantless, and I can do it all on my own. But that can lead us back to counterdependency, that we actually are depending on something. We just don't want people to know what it is. And it's maybe making us worse. Maybe it's making us more insecure because we're embarrassed or ashamed. So the interdependency is where all of us as adults want to land. That means that we can get so much more done. Our lives are safer. People are being, you know, able to be who they are and able to give to one another from just from their own unique identity. And it's a wonderful place to be when we have really healthy interdependency. So let's, let's think about that. What happens if we don't? Okay, now we talked some about relationship styles last time, but one of the characteristics that we find in addictive relationships is that they need instant gratification. This is where we get a lot of counter-dependence. They need it fixed right now. We also get a lot of dishonesty if we have addictive relationships because nobody's strong enough to handle the truth. Maybe we're too embarrassed. Maybe there's too many consequences we think we're going to have to face if we tell the truth. So we have lots of dishonesty. We have compulsive over-control, don't we? So we start controlling the things that we can't control, and we don't control the things we can. And we get into power struggles with the people that are in our, in our life about control. And what does that lead to? Lack of trust. See, when we have addictive relationship styles, we're going to have a lot of trust issues. And that addictive relationship style is one of the elements of codependency. And I'm sure you've heard that term before, because that lack of trust 
means that I don't really I don't really trust you, but I need you. And if I trust you, I don't trust you and I need you, I'm going to end up hating you. And so then we have a repeating cycle of pain. That means that it doesn't feel like we can even fix it at all. So we get more counterdependent. We have to do more things to help manage the pain instead of changing the structure of the relationship and maybe even walking away. So the opposite of the addictive relationship, which is high control, right, is the apathetic relationship. And you may have found yourself feeling quite apathetic towards somebody in your life. Maybe they're exhausting. Maybe they won't take care of themselves. Maybe they, they have issues and they know they have issues, but they refuse to work on them. And so what do you do? You start to lower your expectations, right? You just say to yourself, well, I'm not going to get my needs met, so I'm not going to expect it. Which leads to some resignation, which is a really tough place to be. And that means that, you know, the relationship's going to be a continual strain, but I don't feel like I have any better alternative. Because, see, it's demoralizing when we get in relationships like that, and we start to think sometimes that maybe I deserve that kind of relationship. Maybe that's all that's out there. And so then we cut down on the communication, which means that you and I both know the less I communicate, the more we fill in the gaps, don't we? So if I'm not telling you how I feel, then the other person starts to assume how I feel. And if you won't tell me what's going on and tell me how you feel, then I will start filling in the blanks, which means that now we have a relationship that's based on a lot of assumptions and a lot of uh, predispositions. And so then we end up feeling quite abandoned, like we're next to the person, but we're not even cared for. We're not seen, we're not heard, we're not wanted. And so we end up then resigning ourselves to saying, you know what, I'm not going to need anything then, which leads us into counterdependency, right? And then we don't have to trust anybody because we're not needing anything from anyone and we have lowered our standards to the point that we think we'll be safe enough to not be let down. And then we end up having identity issues, right? We end up going back to, what's wrong with me? Did I do this? Why is this happening? I must not be worth being loved. And that ends up getting us into more of that addiction type of stuff. Somehow we have to find ways to feel good. And that gets really, really messy. Because then we also want to hide. And so the very thing that we're needing, which is to be known, which is to be wanted, which is to be loved, is the very thing that we are having to block ourselves from. Because we're too afraid to be known. So as we look at this, I want you to really think about, and I know that this is a lot of, of information, and that's why I I'm calling it Relationship 101 because it is like a college-level class that you're getting. But I want you to listen to this show, you know, as much as you need to, just to kind of get some of these concepts so that you can begin to understand what's going on in your life, how you learn to relate. Because the first place that we learn to relate is from our families. And so when we have a family that doesn't understand intimacy, and doesn't know how to do intimacy, then we get a dysfunctional family. 
And so I want to talk to you just a little bit more about families and the types of families. And we, we kind of talked about this last week a little bit. But this is really imperative as we wrap up this, this show today. That you understand that, wow, if I don't get a handle on this, then whatever family I create is going to have those relationship constructs. Because that's how I learned to relate. It's my relationship language. So one of the things that happens for people in therapy is I teach them a new language. I help them to know how to express themselves, how to do it in a healthy manner, how to express feelings in a healthy manner, how to own who they are, how to be able to set boundaries so that they are treated well, so that they actually get what they need from the relationship. And we talked about this, again, a little bit last week, when we talked about the difference between a nurturing family and a dysfunctional family. And see, the dysfunctional family says only certain feelings are okay. So if any of this is resonating with you, I want to encourage you to listen to the show again and to really go out and search. You know, you can go out onto the web. You can search all kinds of things. And there are some great books by Pia Melody that she has on love avoidance, love addiction, how these things happen. There's lots of books on trauma. There's books on relationships with men versus women. And so I want you to really look at some of those really powerful books about relationship so that you can understand better how you relate, how your family taught you to relate, what your family language is like, and really creating a new way of relating, a new way of communicating that that feels more like you, that is who you truly are, not just what you learned. And so we have lots of shoulds and musts and coulda, shoulda, would if only then in, in really dysfunctional families. We have lots of tenseness. Dysfunctional families are very tense. And see, the most beautiful thing about a healthy relationship is, ah, I can breathe. I can breathe. I can relax. And I want that for you. I don't want you to walk around feeling tired. I, I don't want you to feel discouraged about trying to be a better person. I want you to know that your worth is amazingly much larger than you could ever imagine. That you are worth so much. And I don't want you to get into punishing yourself shaming yourself, blaming yourself for things that there's nothing you could have done about. And I don't want you to feel like you don't know what to ask for in a relationship. So make sure you listen to the show again. Check out all the books that we have out there on self-help when it comes to relationships. And God bless you. Have a great week, and I'll talk to you next week. We hope this past hour has been encouraging, motivating, and inspiring to you. The messages and teachings shared during the show are given as a way to reach you, the listener, with ideas and insights on how you may not only improve your life, but have more successful and meaningful relationships as you become the best version of you. Cynthia is available as a keynote speaker or guest speaker for your corporate or spiritual events. Cynthia is able to customize a message for any audience attending a meeting, retreat, or conference. In addition to this, she oftentimes partners her messages with music 
as she is a singer and musician. Please contact her through her website at CynthiaHyatt.com. If you missed any part of this program, you can download the most current show from her website at CynthiaHyatt.com or hear a replay on your favorite podcast server. Please take a moment to visit her Facebook page at Cynthia Hyatt Incorporated and leave your ideas and comments about today's show. Now, be your own best version. Be my-